0: My name is Neely, I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning we are wrapping up our Moving Mountain series. The last three weeks we've kind of been looking at prayer and talking about this power of connection in prayer, the ability to connect to our good Father, uh, the ability to connect to the authority that is given to Him and that He gives to us. And then connecting to Him through persistence. It's been a really amazing series, just kind of looking at all these facets of prayer. And as we wrap up today, this focus on prayer, I want to unpack another side of prayer. It's kind of the side of prayer where we stop talking, we stop asking, we stop making our things known, and we just listen. We listen. And we're seeking to understand how important listening is to connection. Have you ever shared a meal or had a meeting with someone who's, like, non-stop talking? Like, they just go. Like, they don't even breathe. They have gills somewhere. Like, it's just going. And you're, like, trying to look for a moment to jump in. Like, that does not feel like connection, right? That doesn't feel like, wow, we really got to know each other. That was a missed opportunity. And that's why we would say, and this is this is the basis for where we're starting is this is listening is essential to connection it is essential to connection so what does it mean to listen in prayer what does it mean to really listen one of the things we do working with kids and teenagers we talk about prayer as a conversation it's it's this conversation we have with God but we give students a formula and maybe you've heard this formula before. It's an acrostic for the word acts. And it's this formula where they walk through, where they give their adoration, they confess, they give thanksgiving, they, they, suppli- they ask for their supplications, they, what, is it, what is it that I need? They work through this acts. But the faulty part, maybe what's missing in this formula, is we don't really give them instructions to understand listening. It's all talking. It's all at God, no sitting and waiting for God to hear. And so these formulas tend to like lead to one-way conversations. I'm doing all the talking, and in the end, I'm not leaving any space for God to speak to me. And then what happens, what we find, maybe you have experienced this. We've learned this formula where we're doing all the talking, and then we find ourselves saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you speaking? Why are you silent? But we really haven't made space for that. And see, I don't believe that God is silent. I believe that He is present, that He is active, that He wants to connect, engage with, and engage with His children. I do want to clarify something, though. I don't believe God is silent. But I, I also want to tell you that I have never heard God's audible voice. Never. There has never been a moment that's like, Neely, this is God. Isn't it weird my voice sounds just like yours but lower? You know, like, that has never happened. I have never heard his voice. I, I, I happen to work for him. He is my main boss. And I have never heard his audible voice. But I do believe that I have heard God C.S. C- C. Lewis says it this way in his book on grief. Pain insists on being a- attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. See, I have heard God's leading. I have heard his comforting voice speak over me. I have been overwhelmed by God's voice of love that is so loud and it is so clear in the midst of pain. So I have heard God. I I believe he is speaking. But listening, it's a discipline. And and the real problem is that our culture, our our society, this Western way of living that we, we have embraced doesn't make space for it. We don't allow for this practice of just sitting and listening. Making space for this discipline of listening. And so this morning I want to I kind of talk about three ways I think you and I can begin to understand, to begin to practice listening. And adding that as part of how we experience prayer and connection through prayer. So the first one is this, is understand that God has already spoken. He's already spoken. See, connection is not about us. It's not about what you and I do. Like, connection is not dependent on you praying. God's already done it. He's already spoken. He's already made his heart and his desire clear for us. When we pray, when, when we listen, we understand, man, God has already spoken. It's all, he's already issued the first word. And I find so many times when I approach prayer, I, I feel this anxiousness coming of like, will God speak to me? Is he going to hear me? Is he going to answer my prayers? Is he going to say anything? And I just need to breathe deep. God has already spoken. His word is already there. He spoke the world into existence. His creation declares him. His son is his word. God has already spoken. We don't have to fear that God is silent because he has already spoken. Eugene Peter says it this way. He says, prayer is an answering speech. The first word is God's word. Prayer is a human word and it is never the first word, never the primary word, never the initiating and shaping word, simply because we are never first We are never primary. It's not us. Like this connection to our Father is not about us. It's not about what we say or how we say it. It's the reality that God has already spoken. Genesis 1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. God spoke light into existence. He has already spoken. When he speaks, his, the world obeys And then creation, this this thing that he makes, it it speaks to us. Psalms 19 says this, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Man, underline this part. uh, Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their worlds, words to all the world. I mean, how many of you felt God's presence this week? A, you're standing outside in the sunshine and you feel it and you see the blue sky and, and this glorious globe in the air. Like it's making you feel God's goodness and love. And you think, man, we can make it. We can survive. God is reminding us that we have another day yet. One of the cool things we do in student student ministries is we go to houseboats in Canada and we line up these boats on a beach and at night we lay on top and we just watch the stars and we see shooting stars and you're listening to the river next to us and you're thinking, oh, that's what it means when God says he knows every star and he knows us and it speaks to us. Creation speaks for God, he is speaking to us. And Jesus is God's final word to us. It says this in John. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. See Jesus became the literal word of God. Amen. Here is God's spoken t- message to us in the person of Jesus. And what does it say again it's a reference right back to that Genesis passage where there was darkness there now is light. What is God speaking to you? He's already spoken. And I think it's important to remember when you're praying, when you're sitting with something and you feel like God is silent, to reflect on what he's already spoken. As I grieve, I I think about Jesus and the words he had about mourning. I think about Jesus and I recognize that those words are, are spoken to me over my grief. Those words are alive. He has already spoken to us. The second thing we need to do to learn to listen is we need to make space for hearing. And space is something interesting. Who has extra time for anything in our lives? Who's got, who's got any time to just add to their schedule another hour to sit in silence? And this actually may be our greatest obstacle. This may be the thing that you and I have to figure out how to get through. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married with kids or married without kids, empty nesters. At the end of the day, all of our calendars end up looking like this. We're all busy, busy, busy. And I think we pride ourselves, right, on how busy can we get? How much can we fit into a day? Look at how I've maximized every minute. And then there becomes no space, no no place in our life for just sitting And listening. We multitask our days away. I have a confession recently. I wanted to catch up on this prayer series since I hang out with students on Sundays. So I was listening to Pastor Mike on our podcast. I was listening to the message, but I was doing stuff, you know, getting things, multitasking. And I paused it at the end and I thought, I don't know that I can remember a thing he said. (laughs) Like, did I listen? You know, and that's what we do. We, like, think, oh, I can get a lot done. But, like, we don't really hear anything. We don't really have space to hear. And there's this difference, too, between, like, I I have young kids, and so I hear a lot of what they say, but I don't necessarily listen to what they say. (laughs) Don't tell them. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, 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 you know, but, like, really listen And there's a difference, too, for us as we're hearing, as we're making space. Like, what does it mean? Like, I think a lot of times God's speaking to us, and we kind of hear it, but we're just choosing not to listen to it. But we've got to make space. This is a total aside, but I do want to say that I think it's important to understand that when we're hearing from God, that a trap we can fall into is hearing from God what we want to hear. And I think we got to put some guardrails up in our lives to protect us from that, to help us discern what is, like, really the voice of God and what is our own selfish desires. Um, while I was attending Northwest, I went on this, like, group date. I kind of got set up with this guy, um, not my husband, so we went out with this group day. We had fun bowling. He was nice, but not really my type. Um, and he's no Josh McQueen is what I was saying, you know. Uh, but a couple days later, he corners me in the cafeteria, and he says, can we talk? And I said, sure. So we sit down, and he says, I need you to know that God has told me you're going to be my wife. I said, Well, that is weird. <laughs> Because God did not say that to me. <laughs> and uh, I said, I think you, I think we're not on the same page. Um, what got awkward is when he started to cry right there in the cafeteria. Yeah, you feel bad for him. But I feel bad for me. I had to, uh, Still, nope, still no God saying anything. Um, you know, we worked it out. We became friends. It's fine. We've moved on. <laughs> But I think we hear all kinds of things, and we have to figure out, how do we discern, is this the voice of God? Is this the voice of God? And so I, I think there's two things that we can do. Um, but first, John says this, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do we test it? How do we test it? I think the first thing is with God's word. We test it with God's word. Did what I hear line up with what I find in God's already spoken word? Does it contradict the way and teaching of Jesus? Does it contradict it? Oh, uh, yes, Lord. Yes, you want me to cheat on my taxes. Yes, that sounds about right. You know, like that doesn't line up with what we see in Scripture. Or, oh, Lord, yes, you know I have that meeting in Tacoma, and I'm alone, but it's totally fine to get in carpool. You said you're with me anyway together there's two of us. You know, like that's probably not the that's probably not the Lord's voice. You know, that's probably not him speaking or or you know like oh, okay, oh yes, God, thank you for confirming what I already knew and that is I can hate my neighbors. Like that doesn't line up with who God is. That doesn't line up with what he's already spoken. So when you hear this, this voice and you sense that, man, is God saying this, and then you find that it does not line up with what's in here, then you know that is not the voice of God. And the second thing we can do is we can look to a community of believers and one of, one of the ways the early church kind of navigated determining, like, what is God leading us to do? What is he directing us in doing? Is they would come together, this community of believers would come together, and they would confirm it in each other. They would say, yes, Paul, we do sense that God is calling you to go. Yes, we, we do come together. We confirm That in order for a Gentile to enter into the family of God, this is what they need to do. We agree this is where God is leading us. We confirm it with the confirmation from the believers. And maybe you've had this experience before where one of your friends, you know, is making a decision. And and, and typically, unfortunately, I don't know why this happens, it tends to be around a relationship where you're like, that's not a good idea. But they kind of start justifying, well, God told me, God told me. And but everybody else is saying, no, we, we don't think God told you. And this is where we have to remember that God speaks to us as an individual, but he uses the community to confirm it. He uses us as the community of believers to confirm what God is doing in your life and speaking in your life. We have to make space for that. We have to make space for hearing God. And then we have to make space for testing it to God's word. Is this this clearly what God's saying? We have to bring it to our, our life group, our community, and say, I sense God is speaking this, and wait for the confirmation of believers. The third thing I think we need to do to learn to listen is we have to learn to embrace silence. Making space is difficult in our schedules But we also have to learn to be okay with silence. See, we're not comfortable with quiet. We're good at filling every moment with noise, music, podcasts, talking. But silence is so challenging for us. I have this light bulb moment this week as I was thinking about, I was going to bed thinking about this message and thinking about silence as I turn on my white noise to sleep like I can't even handle silence when I'm going to sleep. We, we, have, we have become afraid of quiet. Josh and I are celebrating 20 years being married, and, and the first few years of dating and marriage, we had this thing where we were always like, we've got to talk, we've got to talk, we've got to keep no silence, must not be silent because if there's silence maybe you and I don't have as much in common as we thought maybe we're not really connecting maybe I'm not sharing who I am with you so it was like oh how are you what are you thinking you know even a moment of silence what are you thinking about right now you know like we just didn't want quiet and the more comfortable we have gotten with each other the more okay we are with silence our lives are so loud so there's something really beautiful about sharing a meal and holding hands and just sitting quietly. The silence. But we are just not comfortable. And even still, that, that is scary at times. It's, it's hard sometimes to be comfortable with it. But silence doesn't have to be bad. See, we view silence as empty. But what if we changed it to see silence as fullness. Henry Nowen says this, all this is true only when silence from which the word comes forth is not emptiness and absence, but fullness and presence. Not the human silence of embarrassment, shame, or guilt, but the divine silence in which love rests secure. There's a silence in resting in God's presence and God's love, that when we're silent, we can hear his love for us. There's lots of passages in the scripture about being silent. This one says, be silent before the Lord, all humanity, for he is springing into action from his holy dwelling. How many of you have an annoying relative who's like smarter than you and likes to make sure you know? Like, do you know that feeling? Yeah, I have one. Um, He's my brother-in-law. He's a professor at Northwest. He's got his doctorate. You know, very smart. Um, but I like to keep him in place because I'm older than him, and I like to remind him, like, "Hey, remember when you were 13? <laughs> you know, like that was a bad year. You know, like I just, I have someone's got to, someone's got to keep him humble, and I just feel like that maybe is my role. But um, we were recently talking about this idea of silence, and he began telling me about. How are his studies around the um, early fathers and mothers of our faith? And I was moved. I was l- literally moved by something he said. And, and I said, can you send that quote to me? Like, who said that? And he's like, well, well it's mine. And I was like, oh, gosh. That's fine. I was like, okay, yeah, send it to me <laughs> anyway. You were 13 once. <laughs> you know, um, but I've read it every day. I've read it every day, and it's been so powerful. And so I want to share it with you because I think um, it will be meaningful to you too. God's native language is silence, the church fathers say. Silence is God's voice, and that voice says, I love you, I love you, I love you. For silence is the space that God has made within his being for us to be. This is love, to let the other be To open a space within self or the other. Silence is that space within God's being where we are able to be. So when we hear silence, we are listening to God tell us that he loves us enough to make a room within himself for us. Isn't that beautiful? That God's silence isn't absence. It's God saying, I'm with you. And we can just be. We can just be. Being is key to connection. God isn't telling us, do more. He's saying, just be with me. Be, sit with me. Praying, listening, being silent before him is being with him. So today we're going to try something different. It might make you a little uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that because I feel uncomfortable now. But um, (laughs) today we're going to try to put these three practices into place. And what we're going to do is we're going to listen to God's word. We're going to make space for hearing, and we're going to be silent. And we're going to try this practice um, that has been practiced for a long time in the church. And it's just reflecting on Scripture and sitting and asking, God, what do you want to say to me through this passage? And so I'm, not asking, I'm going to ask you to get comfortable. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just listen. Just listen for what God might be trying to say. I don't want you to empty your mind. I want you to fill your mind with God's Word. To fill your mind with God. And we're going to try this together. And and the challenge is actually this week. Is that would would you try to practice this one other time? Would you do this with your family? Would you do this with your housemates? Would you do it with your life group? Or just by yourself? Would you try this practice alone? So why don't you do this? Get comfortable. Close your eyes. Think about God. And I'm going to read some scripture. Be still and know. Be still. Will you stand with me and pray? Jesus, we want to hear those words, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so we want to make space for you to speak it over us. Help us to slow down. Help us to listen. Help us to be with you. Amen. (laughs)